0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Be Bullish podcast. I'm Alex Ely, CIO of the US Growth Equity Group here at Macquarie Asset Management. Thanks for listening in. I know there's a lot of uh, macro issues today, a lot of focus on the Fed and what's happening with rates, where things are going. Um, but for investment purposes, we look to try to look past the noise and past the macro issues that are really always out there uh, within the economy. So today, I've got a special guest, Nate Marr. He's our head of technology investments uh, here on the US growth equity team to talk about electric vehicles. Um, really an exciting. Uh, long-term trend that we're seeing out there in the economy today. Uh, welcome aboard, Nate. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, um, recently you've published a piece about electric vehicles that's up on our site. Um, can you tell me about you know what's happening with electric vehicles, uh, their adoption, why you know why it's happening today, what, what's going on? I, we're seeing lots of announcements from many auto companies about electric vehicle production today.
1: Right. And I think that that's that's what's driving some of our excitement, right, is that there's just a lot more consumer choice than we've seen in the past. But I think, you know, if we look back, what the historic reason for purchasing an electric vehicle has been is just concerns about the environment. And that's valid and still valid today. But now we have things like people are concerned about the price of gas, right? When it hit $5, a gallon, you're starting to look for alternatives, right? To your point, there's a lot more consumer choice, right? We're seeing flagship brands hit the market like Mustang and F-150. And, you know, we now have much greater policy support in this country than we've had in the past with the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, so, So there's a lot of different drivers that we've had beyond just that historic environment concern. And so, you know, Companies like Bloomberg are estimating that U.S. sales could go to 50% electric vehicle by 2030 from less than 5% in 2021. And that compares to right now, it's, it's about 9%, 10% globally, also according to Bloomberg. So, you know, it seems like we're very early days, but choice is really broadening out. And, and there's a lot more reasons to buy.
0: So that's a 10x increase in market share for electric vehicles by the end of the decade. Is that what they're talking about? That is... Well, I mean, that's just a massive change in terms of the number of vehicles. I believe right now um, the number of vehicles sold in the U.S. is about 14 million, which is lower than usual just because of supply chain concerns and things of that nature. So you're just talking about millions and millions more electric vehicles being sold in the United States every year. Um, you know, As you mentioned, we, we've had electric vehicles for a long time. W- why is it inflecting up now? Why, why is this time different? It, it seems Um, Like it's not the past where electric vehicle is is a novelty. It seems much more mainstream this time uh, within the market. So why do you think at this point in history, this is happening? Right. I think that novelty point is a good one because look, in the past, you had compliance cars from
1: certain automakers. So consumers were really concerned about things like they had anxiety about range. Their choices were actually pretty poor. But look, Tesla changed the game. They, they brought performance, they brought a good aesthetic, they brought reliability, and people saw that adoption. Detroit saw that adoption, and, and consumers responded. They started buying Teslas. This Detroit finally responded, and they're starting to build electric vehicles. And, you know, like I said before, with the environment, like that's not going away as a concern either. So you've seen greater policy support for it in terms of trying to drive consumers to. Purchase them both new and now even on the used market. And the other thing to add is, is on the policy support front is you're starting to see it be an important part of U.S. manufacturing policy, right? So the Inflation Reduction Act isn't just about giving consumers tax credits, but it's also helping U.S. manufacturers pivot as they go from internal combustion to producing electric vehicles. So there's competitive reasons that, that they that the traditional automakers might want to do this, but there's also you know, good tax reasons for why they want to do it as well. So so there's a lot of different drivers that we haven't had in the past from the policy standpoint, the economics, as well as just, you know, an upstart that came into the market and basically showed people how it's done.
0: Yeah, I mean, people have been concerned about the environment um, for decades, of course. But I would say the, the younger the generation, the more concerned about the environment people are. So that sort of environmental uh, impact or, or, or thinking um, has just continued to increase. This has continued to trend up. And I think you're right. You combine higher fossil fuel prices, um, some government support, and, and a lot more options from the different car makers. and And bang you have your inflection these are really exciting times people when when you see a technology that has a, an early adoption it's it's often referred to as a hockey stick where you have the early adopters uh, for maybe 1 2% market share and then it begins to hook up and typically when technology does this it goes on to grow secularly for years and years and years so i think that's what what you're forecasting here is that right Nate
1: Right. And, and one thing we didn't mention previously, but you know, we talked about the 50% in the United States, but California recently came out and they said that they want 100% of sales to be EVs by 2035. They have one of the largest states in the union pushing this hard because they see you know, they've had to deal with pollution as, as an issue in their state for decades, right? And they want to move to a cleaner environment. And You know, another thing just economically, right? You've seen companies like Hertz, they're placing large orders for electric vehicles. So you've got companies in the in the market that are making these big bets as to where the future is going. So it's not just consumers, but businesses and states are really starting to to buy into this as well.
0: Well, this is a, a just a massive mobilization within the auto industry to a whole new way of powering uh, the vehicles that are out there. Um, what, what's going on with the supply chain for that? I would imagine that there's all kinds of, uh, fits and starts that are happening in terms of making that coordinate smoothly.
1: For sure. Right. And it's, you know, we can't have a a conversation these days about automobiles without talking about the supply chain and look with electric vehicles. There's a lot more semiconductor content that goes into them, right. To power the, the electric batteries, to power, um, inverters and the power everything that's going on in the in the car itself right and so the semiconductor supply chain got disrupted and historically automakers are used to just-in-time inventory right but with with them needing so much more content and the disruptions that we had because of COVID, it really threw you know some some disruption into the into things for them and so they've had to to had to adapt to it and one of the ways that they've adapted is they're reallocating parts from the lower end models into their electric vehicles because there's a higher asp for those vehicles and that's really where the growth is for them so the supply so where we are now the supply chain is starting to improve right we've seen some companies talk about things beginning to improve in the back half of this year it looks like it's more of a 2023 issue and you know batteries and that's separate from batteries and batteries are a whole separate supply chain, but you started to see companies really start to make investments in things like lithium for longer term supply agreements. Some companies are actually talking about vertically integrating with lithium. You're starting to see some of the components because because batteries are such a key component, obviously, of electric vehicles. You're starting to see companies think about alternatives to to lithium batteries or maybe thinking about different components that they could substitute for that. And they're spinning up fabs Uh, at much greater capacity in order to respond to this demand. So the supply chain with automakers, it's always sort of a very important thing. And with EVs, it's even more important. So you're seeing these long-term investments go into this and companies really start to think about like how critical these components are gonna be and striking these long-term agreements because they wanna have that surety supply and they wanna get these vehicles out to their consumers you know, the, the orders for some of these cars are starting to be capped because they want to be able to make those commitments right with an electric vehicle, you don't want to strip out parts or you don't want to have to wait for that semiconductor, so you want to be able to fill those orders and so you're starting to see the, the automakers put limits on what they want to actually deliver to their customers because they want to be reliable right they want to maintain good customer relations, etc, and so. You know, they're working on their supply chain. They want to um, continue to, to seed the market and get those cars out, out there. So it's, it's an ongoing issue that is slowly resolving, but um, it's, it's, there's no
0: overnight or quick fix. Is, is the technology itself of battery-powered vehicles, uh, the batteries in, in essence, is, is that improving significantly year over year over year? It's, it's going to take a while, right? Lithium
1: was is one of the key components. And so we have to get, you know, people are trying to strike these lithium agreements with um, various sources and suppliers around the world. They're trying to find new ways of getting lithium. And then they're also trying to substitute pieces around the lithium that can make the battery lighter and make it more efficient. So they're, they're working on it, but it's, it's more of a medium term fix. So it, it might not happen immediately in terms of the the year-on-year price improvements but it should happen over time but then the other thing is they're also looking at completely alternative battery technologies as a way to um, get around some of these lithium battery supply chain challenges as potential substitutes right that might be a longer term but there's there's multiple forces at work here in terms of trying to get more supply of lithium itself trying to substitute pieces around lithium to make either the battery more efficient or or lighter or both and then looking at substitutes or alternatives to lithium batteries themselves.
0: Okay, what, are, are there any other things that are holding us back or, or keeping the, uh, the industry from being able to, to grow exponentially like you mentioned?
1: Look, political support can always swing the other way. I don't know that if we ended all of these subsidies tomorrow that it would, that it would kill the EV industry, but it certainly would, would be you know, a, a negative headline right? And so that can always swing one way or the other in terms of per string. So that's always something you just want to be on watch for. But it does seem like, look, Detroit is finally Detroit, Germany, China, they're all betting, they're all betting big on the EV adoption train. So even if the policy support did swing the other way in a specific country, it doesn't seem like that it could permanently derail the long term trend, because of those things like the choice like the concern over the environment because of the economic issues like the high price of gas, et cetera. You know, another thing, and this is maybe a little tangential, is people do, you know, people used to be, consumers used to be worried about The range that they add of their cars, and that seems to have been substituted now with the concern over whether or not there's going to be enough charging stations. How are the charging networks being built out? And we are seeing those investments happen. And, look, you can have a charging station in your home and you can power it overnight, but when you're out in the middle of the day, do you have access to a a charging network and and a place to charge your car? That's going to solve itself, right? The capital markets are, are going to put money to work in in those spaces, and and companies will solve that. The manufacturers have worked on it, right? And so that might be something that that people look at as a potential inhibitor, but I, I think that that should resolve itself over time.
0: Well, I mean, just talking about massive industries undergoing foundational change, to a better cheaper faster way of doing things is is pretty exciting um, what's your what's your long- term outlook then so you're, you're I assume that you're bullish on electric vehicles over over the long run right I mean look this is what we get excited for
1: when we as growth investors right we want to see something that's going from low to mid single digit adoption to double digit adoption to potentially mid double digit adoption right so it's a very fertile investment ground for us. And you know, we're excited about what we see. We get excited about looking at new technologies. We get excited about new companies. We get excited about older companies that are pivoting into new things. Right? This is, this is an exciting time in the industry. Like you said, if you can put macro to the side for a minute, this is, this is what we do as growth investors is find nice trends with good tailwinds that are seeing broad adoption. And, and that's, what, that's what we, we live for.
0: Yeah, I I have to just reiterate that to anybody listening. Uh, It's really important. I mean, while there are macro issues and while there is the news of the day, if you focus on the long run and you focus on the largest disruptions within the economy and try and take advantage of the investment, uh, the companies that are taking advantage of those changes um, there's there's really a lot of opportunity and it gets us excited um, that's what we do as Nate mentioned that's why we come to work that's why um, I, I'm bullish on so many things when it comes to uh, the economy and the markets over the long run so while there are a lot of macro issues um, it, it, it is something that we'll get through and and we will keep growing in, in different ways so um, with that I, I thank you Nate for coming on uh, and thank you everyone for listening in.
2: This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or a solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Throughout this presentation, various securities and companies are referenced. Examples given are for illustrative purposes only and were not chosen based on performance. This is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objectives will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, you should consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, Reliance has been placed without independent verification on the accuracy and the completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the marketing name for the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Investment products and advisory services are distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors LP, a registered broker dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of Macquarie Investment Management Business Trusts, Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, none of the entities noted in this podcast are authorized deposit-taking institutions for the purposes of the Banking Act of 1959 from the Commonwealth of Australia. The obligations of these entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank Limited. Macquarie Bank Limited does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these entities unless noted otherwise.